you know what you know what's funny it was actually at this festival called beyond fest so they, they showed like all the cocaine movies there. i like the bed bath fest better than that, uh, that's true yeah beyond fest, fest or the <laughs> <laughs> never mind it wasn't gonna be funny that's <laughs> the one where jay-z and beyonce perform. <laughs> it's all movies that they've made that's better than what i was gonna go for so we'll just stick with that <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 326 with our review of Nightcrawler. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are talking about uh, Marvel Phase 3 film Nightcrawler. No! <laughs> yes! No, this Nightcrawler film doesn't have anything to do with any character that is owned by Marvel that I know of yet. I, I truly believe that this was going to be a Marvel movie till like a week ago. Well, no, like when I first, like I, w- I was scrolling through like comingsoon.net or whatever. And then I was like, Nightcrawler, what? And I clicked on it and I'm like, oh. <laughs> but then I was like, and then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like disappointment and surprise and joy all rolled into one package. Yes. And then I made enough money to buy a ticket. Exactly. You know, I, that's the one, that's the, the most disappointing thing about this movie is that he only says that line once and the trailer repeats it like 37 times. And I, I know, kept waiting yeah. for him to like, every time he met somebody new to be like, you know, I always believe that if you want to play the lottery, you got to make enough money to buy a ticket. <laughs> I, I was, I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't there, but you know, that's okay. I'm, I'm, small, small price to pay for this film to come out in theaters for us True. to watch it. True. Anyways, how you guys doing this hour and a half after we recorded the last episode? <laughs> or doing an hour and a half better than I was when yes. we recorded the last episode. Yes, I feel like by the time we're done, the sun will be setting, so that's okay. <laughs> Just well, it was a big, big daylight marathon. Daylight savings. Yes. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, wary about how this, where this episode will go. But uh, is that mostly that, because hmm. you fear for my life in that your girlfriend threatened you? <laughs> <laughs> kill me if I did not like this film. Threaten to cut your brakes so you can, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one minute I found myself taking out Nightcrawler on my podcast. Next minute I found myself taking out a palm tree or a <laughs> telephone pole or something like that. Chris is really the Rene Russo in this situation. And her, or your, uh, uh, uh... <laughs> What's the word? What's Finish the word? The analogy. Um, your uh, in- endeavor, your endeavor is being compromised. <laughs> I might find myself asleep in my car in my garage with my windows down and the engine running. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, no. How, how are you doing, Stephen? I I'm doing good. I don't know why there's so much controversy around this episode. Actually, I I I don't know. I just have a strange feeling. But you know what? It's okay because my girlfriend just texted me and said that she was able to get uh, tickets to see an Inherent Vice next week. So nice. Is that coming out next week or it's just a screening? Uh, it's at the AFI Festival. I'm gonna get all <sighs> LA on you and be like, Ooh, the AFI Festival is next week. 
All right, so so a quick tangent. So I know like a few episodes back, you guys were both talking about Inherent Vice, and I hadn't seen the trailer yet. Yeah. And now I've seen the trailer like nine, ten times, and I like if it weren't for the fact that you guys are really excited to see this movie, I wouldn't. It wouldn't even be on my radar because I don't understand what looks so awesome about this movie. Well, it's it, a it's a cocainey movie, so I can see why it's lost on. It's Chris. like P.T. Anderson does The Big Lebowski or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like something like that. And, 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 and also the the source material, like Thomas Pinchon is like known to be like a pretty great author. Like a ton of people love his novels. Okay. And P.T. Yeah, Anderson, apparently. like uh, he has yet to have like a strikeout to me. I didn't love The Master, but in general, like I very much enjoy the movies he makes. And Joanna Newsom is in this movie. And Joaquin Phoenix is back paired with him again. Right. So. I'm happy, and, 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 and Josh Brolin and you know, like there's a great cast in the film. Well, no, yeah, yeah, like like don't don't. I'm not I'm not saying that like I saw the trailer and I was like, damn, that movie looks terrible. I just mean that like, like to me, just seeing it was like, oh, this is the movie they're excited about. And then like I watched the trailer and I'm like, all right. So if you remove all the actors from these roles, there's no, like nothing that makes me like go like, damn, I really want to see that movie. Like I might see it and I might enjoy it and it might be funny. Um, but like for me, there's just nothing that jumps out of it. Um, that I don't know. It seems like it, it has this like American hustle appeal to me. Like I love the uh, the retro look of it. But it, mostly, it's just my faith in Thomas Pinchon and word of mouth saying that the source material is a yeah. wonderful book. Uh, so those two combined to make me think this could be pretty awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, like any PTA movie, I think is just gonna be exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's 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 fine. I just it, it's funny how like how excited you guys were for it, and then when I saw the trailer, I was like, huh, all right, that's cool. And and we're you know we'll see it, we'll review it. Um, it would be really hilarious actually if like I really loved it and both of you guys were like super disappointed by it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with you guys. This movie is so awesome. But from what I've heard so far, it's uh, apparently even more divisive than the master. So and uh, I, I I like mm. the master, and I know. Chris wasn't a fan of that movie. And, and, and like I said, I think in our end of the year episode, I'm kind of coming around just... Oh, that's as, right. Yeah. I remember as, I, as I think about it, um, I've, I've kind of come around a little bit on it. And I think it it's doing more than I gave it credit for at first. But I still don't know that like I fondly care for it. Um, but I... My favorite P.T. Anderson movie is still Magnolia. So I might be weird. <laughs> That was yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's really hard to pick a favorite of his because I feel like they're all just so good. So I don't know. That's that's me. I, I kind of favor Punch Drunk Love, but mm. I still haven't seen that. I hear it's good though. It's it's very good. And of course, there will be blood. Any chance to do my Daniel Plainview? There's a whole ocean of oil down there. You know, something like that. <laughs> I'm the only one who knows how to get to it. <laughs> You sounded a little bit like uh, somebody doing an Al Pacino accent. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It's not anything good, you know. But Have you heard uh, Paul F. Tompkins' bit where he talks about being in that movie? He was in it for like two seconds oh, yeah, and he just yeah, has yeah. to be yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> yelled at by Daniel Day-Lewis. I'd heard that he was a little bit intense, right? But he's not really. He's really the most intense person <laughs> that has ever lived on Earth. <laughs> yeah, I really want to know what Daniel Day-Lewis does to relax. 
Like, does he just, you know, sit down and watch, like, Happy Gilmore or something? He or? probably just acts like a relaxed person. I, I guess, <laughs> like, yeah. he doesn't actually relax. He just gets into the character of somebody who is relaxed. Yeah. He probably just has a sunbed shipped to the uh, shipped to the place, and he's just laying in it I in mean, between takes, Edward Norton style. How incredible, how incredible it would be, like, I mean, it's awesome that Joaquin Phoenix is an inherent vice, um, but if Daniel Day-Lewis was his part, I think that would be pretty, pretty incredible. To see him do like a wacky comedy like that. What if it was Daniel Day Lewis playing Joaquin Phoenix oh, playing the role? Oh my gosh, that would be pretty crazy. He'd kill yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say, guys? We uh, get our make our way into Nightcrawler. Yep. All right. We're gonna take a listen to the trailer for Nightcrawler and then come back and give you guys a review. I'm looking for a job. In fact, I've made up my mind to find a career that I can learn and grow into. Who am I? I'm a hard worker. I set high goals, and I've been told that I'm persistent. And I'm thinking the television news might just be something I love, as well as something I happen to be good at. Now, I know that today's work culture no longer caters to the job loyalty that could be promised to earlier generations. What I believe is that good things come to those who work their asses off. And that good people who reached the top of the mountain didn't just fall there. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. You have to make the money to buy a ticket. You have to make the money to buy a ticket. You have to make the money to buy a ticket. You have to make the money to buy a ticket! All right, so you just listened to the trailer for Nightcrawler. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is an enterprising young man who realizes that he can make money by filming horrific newsworthy stuff. And uh, it turns out that uh, news coverage might not just be something that he's interested in, but might be something he's good at. So Carson, why don't you let us know what you thought of this film? Uh, well, my, my thoughts were kind of spoiled like a month ago since I saw it. I got to see it early. Um, but, My uh, name's Carson. I got to see movies I, early. I see <laughs> what film festival was that at, Carson? You, you know what? You know what's funny? It was actually at this festival called Beyond Fest. So they they showed like all the cocaine movies. There. I like the Bed Bath Fest better than. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> Beyond Fest Fest or the. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. It wasn't gonna be funny. <laughs> That's the one where Jay Z and Beyonce perform. <laughs> it's all movies that they've made. That's better than what I was gonna go for. So we'll just stick with that. <laughs> um. Yeah. It was at it was at a festival called Beyond Fest. Uh, they showed all the the cocaine type of movies. Um. But uh, I uh, before I saw Whiplash, this was definitely my favorite movie of the year. Uh, mainly because mainly because of Jake Gyllenhaal. And I think that it's worth mentioning that, um, you know, the the first episode that I ever did of this show was Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, <laughs> um, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. And, started uh, off strong. We started off real strong. And um, uh, I think we were, 
we were kind of in a place where we were just like, you know, like, what is Jake Gyllenhaal doing in this movie? Like, he just seems so out of place. Um, but I think we should we should thank uh, wh- whoever convinced him to do that movie because I think after the failure of Prince of Persia, um, you know, he kind of looked at himself in the mirror and, and did like a, you know, a reevaluation and decided to do some some more interesting projects. And I think since Jake Gyllenhaal uh, has done that sort of kind of turnaround since uh, Source Code, I think like every movie since then has, he's delivered a very interesting performance in an interesting movie that's made by interesting people. Um, I gotta say (laughs) interesting. by interesting us. Yeah, I gotta say interesting as many times as possible. But uh, yeah, like a source code and uh, even though I didn't really like End of Watch, I mean his performance in that was was very, very good. Um, Like him and Michael Pena made that movie, I feel. Um, and, uh, and then of course, I mean, last year for sure with Prisoners was definitely a highlight and, you know, this year with Enemy, um, just like really, really strong work in really, uh, offbeat, interesting films. And I think Nightcrawler is the culmination of that. I mean, this is, this is by far my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performance. It's weird because I keep saying that. Like I like with, when we reviewed Prisoners, I was like, "This is my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performance." I think, and then like we didn't review Enemy, but if we did, I'd be like, "Oh, this is my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performance." And now, like <laughs> since we're at Nightcrawler, I was just like, "This this is like my favorite Jake." He keeps one upping himself, which I think is really awesome. And uh, I think the character of Lou Bloom in Nightcrawler is one for the ages. Like I I, I think that this is. This is on the level of great sociopathic movie characters like Travis Bickle and Taxi Driver or Rupert Pupkin and The King of Comedy. Uh, and the, the movie that I most thought this resembled was Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. I think there's just so many similarities between this movie and that movie. Uh, just, just for the fact that it's like this really great satire Unlike Birdman, which is sort of tongue-in-cheek and kind of playful, this is like the the satire that's like the most scathing. It's more on the scathing end so of do, things. Do you really think it's satire? I do, yeah. Do, uh, do, I, do, no, I mean, I heard it described as satire, too, and I wasn't sure if I bought that, actually. Yeah, because I, I, for me, I, I watched it as being completely authentic to th- this character. Like, I didn't I didn't see it as being... I don't, no, no, I don't think it's a satire, like, to, to his character. I think it's a satire to, like, uh, uh, the depiction of modern-day media and how, you know, it's kind of like a laughing stock. I think that mm-hmm. is for sure, like, where the satirical element comes from. I mean, it's, it's definitely condemning, but I just, I, I, I guess I feel maybe we are operating under different definitions of satire. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's more like how Killing Them Softly was a satire, like, of that. <laughs> well, that movie was just a joke, so. Well, I, yeah, well, they, you know, the Zing. one person, who didn't, you know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, I feel like that's it's more of on like the dark end of the spectrum. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I mean it's a, it's a, it's a satire in the way that American Psycho was like of that of of Wall Street and like the the whole like yuppie personality and everything. I feel like that um, you know this movie does what American Psycho did for Wall Street, but it does with media because um, I feel like Lou Bloom is very similar to. Patrick Bateman in many ways, um, except 
there's not as much killing, I guess. Well, there was that scene where his camcorder told him to feed it a cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> true, yeah. But I mean, I, I like American Psycho is also like it's very dark, but it's also really <laughs> funny. And I and I think that you know this movie walks that fine line of being like very, very like dark and darkly humorous, and mm-hmm. uh, like Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is constantly making you. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's completely thrilling because it's constantly keeping you on edge. I mean, you he's simultaneously the hero and the villain. And I think that is really thrilling to watch because you don't get very many movies like that. And I think that, you know, seeing him kind of like go back and forth between the two uh, is really fun to watch. Like, you never know what he's going to do next. Um, and I think that is a great benefit to the movie. Um, because you never know where the movie's going to go next. Um, and it goes to some pretty crazy places. Um, and I think that the movie is, uh, you know, it, it has this great vibe to it. You know, it's this is like very dark, sinister vibe, but then it has like very weird elements. Like the score is almost like cheesy and happy and it's like throwing you off. There's always things throwing you for a loop, uh, and, I don't know. It's just a. It's a really great film, and the performances, other than Jake Gyllenhaal, are awesome. Like Bill Paxton, totally in full-on skis mode, like his characters from Aliens and uh, True Lies. Uh, and he's just really fun to watch. Rene Rene Russo is great um, as well, and the the guy who played Jake Gyllenhaal's assistant in this movie uh, was really good too, which. I found out after the fact that this dude is like an Oxford educated DJ, but he was like the most convincing <laughs> Californian dude. <laughs> that I, Cause like, I, I was like, Oh, like this guy, like I just assumed he was American and like from California or something. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really good performance. So, um, everything about this movie is just awesome. Uh, and I think it, it just, it plays into a lot of, uh, a lot of like great themes and uh i mean even if you really had no interest in seeing the movie like i would recommend it purely based on jake gyllenhaal's performance because i think that is that is definitely uh if any reason to see it it's for him so steven i'll send it to you i yeah so i i remember when we reviewed drive a few years back uh carson you mentioned that this was the best depiction of la that you've seen in a long time oh yeah yeah the best la drama and i i didn't completely register with me what that meant until i realized all the movies i've seen since then and how unrealistic it is and then how refreshing this movie felt (laughs) by comparison like Watching this movie, I really felt like I was driving through the streets of LA at night, like a part of the city and like actually feeling how the city is not just the glorified Hollywood side of things, but really like the, the pros and cons. And I don't know why that stuck with me so much, but something about that, maybe it's because I spend a decent amount of my life if I ever am in LA, I'm driving through it at four in the morning on the way to or from San Diego. And this, I don't know, this this movie really nailed that for me. And I, I respect it. I, it seems like a really tiny point to dwell on, but I really respected the accuracy of it. Well, let, um, let me ask you something real fast. Yeah. When you drive through at four in the morning, 
are there that, that few cars? Because I've driven through at like two in the morning and like it's it like depends gridlock what, everywhere. I've definitely I've definitely been on the four oh five empty before yeah. or almost okay. empty. I, you have to you have to go like after twelve. Like yeah, not on a week not on a weekend. Like maybe <laughs> not to four. be completely Yeah. Maybe by four people are already waking up to try to commute somewhere. Yeah, because yeah. all, all I know is like I I've been up to visit Carson a few times. And, like, I dread the travel and the parking. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's watching terrible. this movie, I was kind of like, how are there so few cars everywhere? I don't know. Especially because it's not all, like, downtown L.A. either. It's, like, yeah, Orange yeah. County and Foothill. I, I don't know. There's yeah, it, different And I wasn't places. thinking that truthfully while watching the movie, but, like, while Steven's talking about it being super accurate, I was like, hmm, I guess I drive there at different times of day. Well, I mean, it, it definitely is accurate in the sense that, like, Jake Gyllenhaal was going to some pretty, like, not-so-great places, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like if you go into, like, the heart of Hollywood, that's always congested, no matter what the time is, yeah. unless it's, like, four in the morning, um, you know, after, like, all the clubs and the bars have closed, um, but, you know, there are were, there were a couple times where he's, like, up in the hills and up in the valley, and that's not as as bustling as, like, you know, the main city is, so. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it does does feel pretty dead. Like, you know, like Collateral is another good L.A. at night movie, um, mm-hmm. you know, that gets like into that. And, you know, Drive, of course, like it, they kind of like they get into like what, you know, like what you're saying, Stephen, like and what what we said, like how they get into like that weird, like atmosphere that L.A. has at night. It's it's I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, just this kind of creepy, like duality of how different it is at yeah night it's than a it whole different world yeah uh anyway i don't know why i respected it that much maybe it's just like compared to godzilla's treatment of san francisco i enjoyed <laughs> the geography being like pretty accurate and i'm also just kind of a like i don't I, i've got some weird thing where i love knowing like where all the roads go and what all the neighborhoods are and stuff so right. <laughs> on that alone i was pretty like pulled into this movie through the first couple minutes of it um but on to the more important part. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal obviously is the star of this movie. Um, more importantly, he is what the movie rises and falls on. Like his performance, if it had not been sold correctly, it would have been a pretty ridiculous-ish movie. Like, because he's playing a sociopath, just like uh, like you mentioned, American Psycho. Like, if we did not believe Patrick Bateman, is that his name? Yeah. Um, if if we didn't believe that, American Psycho would just be this stupid slasher horror fiction. Like it would be okay, but it wouldn't be anything special. And the same thing here. Like if you didn't believe this guy's descent and his ambition and the depths that it will take him to, this movie would just feel like a sort of unbelievable slasher-ish type thriller to me. Um but he just completely nails that character. Like, I, my favorite movie of his is still probably Zodiac, but this is my favorite performance by a mile. Like, this is so much more stretching him than what I've ever seen before. Yeah. It's the sort of thing that I imagine, like, Joaquin Phoenix doing, actually. Yeah. Um, this kind of, like, he's a psychopath who is kind of well-intentioned and has humor, and you can see how he has the confidence to get what he wants, but then he's also, like, dead inside <laughs> um <laughs> i it helped that like his it helped that he lost all that weight in his face and his eyes like stuck out 
Like, yeah, it really, he's got like, these, accentuated like, his eyes. He's got these crazy pug eyes throughout the movie. Uh, <laughs> just bulging. Uh, but yeah, I've I've got to respect his performance. Like, he really drives this home. It's Wait. partly why I didn't even know why there might be a confrontation in this episode. I thought, like, this movie was just fantastic to me. Uh, driven almost solely by his performance in it. Um Especially there, there are scenes with him and uh, Rene Russo, like these romantic ones, where <laughs> it is so terribly awkward, and he commits to it with so much conviction, like just being this horrible person, but believably terrible from beginning to end. I like the audience is laughing, but they're also kind of afraid of him, and the whole time with like the soundtrack, you're rooting for him a little bit, even though by the end, you know, you should not be rooting for him <laughs> in any capacity. Um, it's like it's a tightrope act the whole way through. And he just walks it with total confidence. Um, what I really appreciated about this movie is that it took something I had never thought much about, like who is filming those videos that you see <laughs> in the news and turned it into a riveting drama. Uh, I don't know that I felt it was a satire. Like, I I get that it's talking about how bloodthirsty we are. You you can see it kind of as a companion piece to Gone Girl, right? How, like, the media yeah. just wants blood. We want to crucify someone. Yeah. We have some hunger for this. Um, but really, in my mind, this movie was a character piece about a particularly demented character whose drive for ambition overshadows everything else. Uh, but I loved the place that it put that like in my mind some of the best movies i can think of are ones that take a premise like whiplash right jazz drumming that i would never think i'm going to care about this and by the end of the movie makes it a intense heart racing thing to be looking at uh which i don't know i, I feel like that's one of the best things a movie can do is make me interested in something that i had no idea i would be interested in and this just completely does it like it was a rock solid movie not i didn't think it was a perfect movie like i think some of the action towards the end gets a little too over the top like i, I could have walked that tightrope without seeing it get as ridiculous as it does but it was still like a completely solid well-crafted film from beginning to end um i have almost no criticism of it i thought it was a great movie Right, is it my turn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get to find out if my life is in danger. Yes. Um, no, I, I think this is a fantastic film. Um, it's interesting, oh, it, it's interesting too, because... No breaks uh, cut. You know, I, I told you guys that I was actually going to go see it with my family. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I'm just, like, when I first saw the trailer for it, like, because, like I said, I, you know, it was on comingsoon.net, saw a Nightcrawler movie, instantly clicked on it, and it was like, I was like, whoa, they're making a Nightcrawler movie? And then I clicked, and I was like, oh, they're not, but... I'll watch this trailer because I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Watch the trailer. I was like, holy shit. Like, I'm, I'm going to see this movie. This looks really rad. And, um, you know, I told you guys that I was going to go see it with my family and that they had actually seen Gone Girl. And it was, I was surprised when they told me they'd seen Gone Girl. Um, so, like, when they said, they came to me and they're like, hey, uh, are, are you going to see Nightcrawler? Do you want to see it with us? I'm like, you guys are going to see Nightcrawler? <laughs> um, so I watched it. And, you know, Carson sent us a little animated GIF. And they're like, man, they're going to be like, and it's like, a, it's Jake Gyllenhaal making this weird face. Like, what? Um, so I kind of like, I pieced together from the film, um, for, from, from the trailer. And, you know, kind of some of the scenes in the trailer where Jake Gyllenhaal is manipulating a crime scene. 
um, after the fact. And uh, I was kind of like, okay, so Jake Gyllenhaal doing like, what? Like, this movie's going to be crazy in this one way. And I kind of assumed there was going to be a, uh, just to say that I assumed one, I, I assumed one thing from the film um, based on Carson's animated GIF. And what I got was actually not, it didn't go to the darkness that I expected from that angle, but it went into this deep psychopathic like <laughs> state that, I mean, I mean, I'm, I I don't like I don't like when the director of a film is psychopathic the way that uh, <laughs> the way that Carson does, but I like <laughs> when my characters are. And yeah. this film, like I, I I I mean, enjoy may not be the proper word to describe this film, but like I ate I ate this movie up. Like this, I think this is a fantastic film. As you guys have said, Jake Gyllenhaal is freaking amazing in this, in like the scariest way. Like I assume that. I assume that his character in Prisoners of of Detective Loki is <laughs> Detective Loki is the ten years from now version of this character. <laughs> this is like he 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 finally got out of his ways and and decided to become a detective and try to help people instead of just uh, profit off their uh, suffering and misery. Um, once his once his freelance uh, videography failed, he went on to a new line of work. No, really, as a detective. You want to know how Detective Loki has all those nasty ticks and stuff like that? Like. Like, no, it's not from drugs. It's 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 from the stuff he witnessed while he was out in this like well, he was out eyewitness in LA. news detective whatever crap that he was doing. Um, but no, like I think this is really good. And and, and uh, Stephen, you were saying that like um, it wasn't wasn't a complaint, but you were saying that like you didn't like you were fine walking the line um, between everything without needing it to get as ramped up as it is at the end of this film. And yeah. I think that you need it to get there because. What were like this particular brand of psychopath? Like, it is it, so in a, in a standard narrative, you might have like somebody who gets into something that's maybe above what they're expecting, and things sort of snowball. And the real character arc is um, seeing how they finally react when everything boils over. Right. Well, mm-hmm. we need everything to get as crazy as it does at by the end of this film because you need to see what Jake Gyllenhaal's re- reaction is to the culmination of all these events in the storyline. Because if he reacts one way, then it means one thing. If he reacts another way, then it means another thing. It's just, it, it, if it doesn't just escalate and escalate and escalate, and he doesn't respond the way he does each time, then I think there's less of, a, uh, um, not, not like a journey, but like, I, I just think it's saying a lot by the fact that it gets as crazy as it does eventually. Yeah, and I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. Like that that's why it's not really a criticism that I have. It's just that Jalen Hall sells it so well and his character like from watching the trailer you could believe this is about the devolution of a character like his descent into obsession. Yeah. But right. his character from the get-go is clearly already like a psychopath. Like he has already made that descent. He didn't need any help getting there. Yeah, I mean yeah. I mean the, the not I'll, I'll try to be as It'll be a little bit, it's a tiny spoiler for like the first 30 seconds of this film, but I'm going to like uh, abstract it a little bit. Basically, the, the opening of this film is Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal acquiring a watch. Mm-hmm. And in that simple scene, we are like, we see him in the state we would expect him to be at the end of this movie based on the trailer. Like he's kind of like already this person. And, and it's it, it's like from the, from the opening, I was like, I was like, okay, cool. Like, so I, I know exactly where we are. Like we, we we care for the outcome of the character, but like for me, I was never rooting for him. I just didn't want something bad to happen to him. 
like it, it, it's, yeah. it's a weird it's a weird distinction but it's like he was clearly always in the of course he was in the wrong but i mean like i i was never i never really wanted his character to, to, to succeed i just was like worried for him in certain situations um and i think there's just there's just this besides the fact that he's just a complete psychopath and besides the way he reacts to the people around him and besides the fact like you just never know what is going like how he's going to react or act in any given situation there's this air of like at any moment something terrible could happen and just i don't know there, there's something just incredibly uncomfortable about his presence in the film the entire time and it, it's it's like the people around him are they're they're just handing over power to him because he's like a necessary evil for them in a way but i don't know there there's there's just this air of uncomfortableness that kind of just floats into this entire film from every single angle angle and it's mm-hmm. never comfortable like there's not a, there's not a comfortable moment in this scene and while there are some moments where like you celebrate him uh like his him versus bill paxton's character like you kind of celebrate like yeah like screw bill paxton because he's kind of a dick too but like for the most part you never i never found myself actually legitimately rooting for him just because of how frightening a person he actually was yeah and i think your distinction is correct it's not that you root for him it's that you still have that protagonist drive to not want something bad to happen yeah Yeah. Um, and it it definitely walks that i feel like partly why i felt like it didn't need necessarily to get as intense and insane as it does by the end is that i i kind of like that weird place you're in where you want him to be okay and i feel like by the end it maybe crosses a line where no sane person would want him to be okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, that's like something that i actually kind of like celebrate in it because at the end um i mean like uh you know, I, I, you you said in one of our recent reviews that it's sort of like the, like I forget what film it was, but you're like this is sort of the story about somebody breaking bad, and it's like yeah. in this, it's like this guy's done broke bad already when the film starts, and by the end, you almost want another character to rise up to take him out, but like at the end of this film, he is so above and beyond anything, like he's just unstoppable, like he like mm-hmm. there's no there's no good way besides him actually doing something that would make him a, a public enemy as opposed to just like us knowing what's been going on the whole film. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's interesting to like, you know, mentioning like the beginning of this movie because I feel like so much backstory is conveyed with his character without even, you know, seeing or showing anything, you know, knowing anything about him. And I feel like, you know, it's it's weird because it's like, it's because it's like his character is living the American dream, but you're like, I don't want him to be like, I don't want him to be, I don't <laughs> want him to be, America. I don't want him to be this successful, but it's like he found something that he can excel at or mm-hmm. well, but that's the other thing that's creepy about it is that it's not that he's good. I mean, he's good at it, but he's good at it. He's good at almost anything because he has the power of the internet where he's just like, he's so like creepy, weird, smart that he can just learn anything. <laughs> like yeah. this yeah. movie could have been about Jake Gyllenhaal, like trying to be an accountant and, uh, you know, or jazz he, drummer or jazz drummer. <laughs> and he would just go online and, you know, just 
you know, look at it and, no, it, and it, he, pick he, up on it. He's like the psychopathic version of like, wasn't there a show like on NBC or something a while back called The Pretender? Or like some guy just goes around pretending like he's different right. like yeah. type of people and then helps people. He's like the bad guy version of the pretender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and, say and it's counts. also he also can do so much because he has no moral boundary <laughs> that yeah, he's yeah. willing to cross, right? He's got the kind of tenacity where he it's probably not spoilery, though I don't think I even saw a trailer for this movie, but to say that he is willing to get closer to crime scenes and cross lines that <laughs> reasonable people would not do <laughs> yeah no yeah yeah and it, well, it's, it's like so his his first introduction is rolling up on an accident that has t- taken place and he kind of sees other people videotaping that accident and that's what that's where he gets the idea for like oh this is something you can make money at but his his resp- he's more like so when you're driving on the highway all traffic stops when there's an accident not because people are trying to be wary of the accident but because everybody wants to be looky loose okay so mm-hmm. in any normal situation any normal human being would at least be curious like oh, oh crazy how bad is that accident but he's sort of just like huh what's up with this and he's just kind of just eyeing the accident he's more excited by like not excited but he's more curious at why people are filming that than than what is actually happening and if that person is okay so he's just kind of like walking away from the accident completely unfazed by the fact that like a person was just like literally pulled from flaming wreckage and like he's no no concern with like oh man i hope they're okay he's just kind of like huh video cameras huh like oh this is gonna be on tv oh mm -hmm." (laughs) a job opportunity yeah how much money do you get oh interesting like it's uh, i don't know there's something just (laughs) he's he's freaking crazy Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, no, I I think the I think in a lesser film, you know, he we we would watch his descent, and I think that you know, starting off and he's already made the descent is a great choice because it's much more interesting to watch the crazy people after they've already become crazy to me at least, um, and the, to see him, you know, do his thing and. Um, yeah, and, and and I feel like it's it's kind of like John Wick in the sense that it's uh, it doesn't have very much fat on it. Like there's not really any extraneous subplots that I feel like in a lesser film would bog it down. Uh, even the whole like weird romantic angle between him and Rene Russo is completely left up to the imagination, which mm-hmm. I thought was a great decision because. It just only... <laughs> you didn't want to watch that? <laughs> no, it just only makes you wonder what the hell they're doing behind closed doors. I'm sure it's completely weird. I'm sure uh, Lou Bloom has some very weird uh, fetishes. Well, in the sequel, they just go around to car accidents and have sex in the wreck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that one David Cronenberg movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, so I was glad that was kind of left in the dark. Um and you know what i was saying about the whole and i'll try not to be spoilery but the the whole idea of it being the satire of the media like i think that scene where we see the home invasion being played out on the news channel like i feel like that is a total uh i feel like that's a total send-up to like media nowadays and them going like oh look at this horrificness we're like oh we hope the child is okay like i don't just like everything like the whole like phoniness of it all yeah, in, I, in the in the midst of like brutal violence or something, you know, I, I definitely see the like the broad commentary about the media. I think what what keeps it from being strictly a satire is there is Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo and then everyone else. And 
they are the only two people that really don't seem to have lines to cross. And everyone else seems to respond kind of the way that we would at their behavior. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that that is why if you consider American Psycho to be a satire, then that definition works fine. Um, it's like showing the extreme of what we can be. But I, I feel like it's still grounded more in like, is this really what you want? Look at people who would perfectly satisfy your ideals, uh, which is a little different from just making fun of us, I guess. It's more like yeah. dark I, I mean, dystopia almost. I mean, I think Nightcrawler is definitely more grounded in reality than American Psycho, mm-hmm. and, for and, sure. And I think there's also there's also stakes, too, in that, like, so from from Jake Gyllenhaal's point of view, it's it's just like I did this thing that's worth money. I did good, right? Give me money. Um, and so his character like is just completely exempt from whether or not the news media uses this because he's just it, it's a logical progression for his character trying to become more and more of an asset and doing crazier and crazy. Like this is the scoop of his life essentially um, mm-hmm. that he's got his hands on. And um, uh, from from the point of uh, you know his handler like they're they they're not you know major fox news or you know cbs news or what any of like the major news outlets they're like some little local news network with shitty ratings and they have to do everything they can to even maintain their foothold in the industry so it's like you have people in there who are like they know what they're about to show is not (laughs) above board (laughs) like they're 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 figuring out how to justify it and pushing the boundaries is what's like they know they're doing wrong. Like Jake Gyllenhaal clearly doesn't know he's doing wrong. Like he right. he thinks he's doing what he needs to do to like further his career and whatever. Like he he justifies it in with his like psychopathy. Like it, it it's not an issue for him. The news organization they're definitely like even even um e- even the people who are for putting it on are still know it's wrong they're just doing it because it's a necessary evil for them but like Mm -hmm. jake gyllenhaal is the only person who literally doesn't have a problem with it (laughs) in that sense i would say the movie is about everyone else's dissent in their view of jake gyllenhaal's character except for renee russo who has a different kind of arc to her um more of a partners in crime which is kind of also why I tie this into Gone Girl, it kind of does the same trick, where there's a character that gets worse and worse and worse in our eyes, but by the end, there's, like, ambiguity about other people's relation to them. I yeah. I don't know. It's too hard to not be spoilery about the other movie, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, exactly. I, I, I wanted to make a joke at the beginning, um, <laughs> but I didn't, because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the end, basically, one person sees him as a savior and the others are like mostly terrified of him (laughs) yeah but that's the thing is i I think she like the entire film i think she is terrified of him also Mm -hmm. but like she's like i never feel the i never feel that she's like excited by what he does other than like her survival depends on it yeah yeah she's like sticking with it because she knows it's gonna benefit her yeah, in fact, I think she's she like most of the time she's sacrificing her personal worth <laughs> in order to yeah. maintain that relationship. Yeah, I mean that's totally what's going on. That's what I read it as, at least. Are you, are you, you know. still with us, Stephen? Yeah, I, no, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I can mostly agree. Those, like, I can't without without giving spoilers. I feel like 
at the very end, she has some words to say about him that seem like she's starting to idolize him. Um, not strictly as a necessary evil, but as someone everyone could learn from. Hmm. I, I, I remember there being a statement <laughs> about this. Like when she end. says, I idolize you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's probably part of it. You know, I think I think I know what you're talking about. I, and I think it may be because, well, I won't say. <laughs> but I, I think I think that she is, I think that she is kind of freaked out by him for most of the movie. I think that is true. Also, I don't know if anyone else noticed since we were talking about Drive. Um, did did you guys notice that like the scene where Jake Gyllenhaal is in the the diner and like he's interviewing the guy to be his assistant? I'm pretty sure that was the exact same diner where Ryan Gosling was sitting, um, where Carrie Mulligan worked at, and there was like the freeway in the background. No, is anyone <laughs> I, else? I, I know what pick you're talking about. I don't remember. Like I can't picture both of them in my head and overlap mm. them and go, oh, they're the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just I made that connection. I, don't I, know. I I trust you being the only one of the three of us that lives in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I I would yeah. believe it, but no, I definitely didn't make that connection either. Uh, one thing I do want to say about this movie, by the way, is you're right that it was like very lean. It cut out all the fat, which is means there was a lot of meat to it, considering it was still like two plus hours long. I think. Um, yeah, but even at that length. Like, I would have been so happy to watch another half hour of this movie and let it, like, slow burn a little more in the... It it kind of jumps from his beginnings to his rapid descent, and it doesn't linger that much in the kind of night-to-night life after the first couple. And I was, like, so enthralled by him and by the premise of the movie that I would have actually loved to to get, like, a longer, more slow-burning movie, even if it sacrificed some of the, like craziness by the end yeah like this falls into my category of films that i would love to see as either like a bbc series or like an hbo true detectives type series um like i i would just i would love to see like a six episode series of this just like in like increasingly creepy and unsettling events that lead towards um i guess towards where this film ended (laughs) (laughs) yeah I would totally watch more Lou Bloom doing his thing. When I saw this movie, then my friend like whispered to me when it was opening, is this based on a true story? <laughs> so by the end, I was like, what do you think? <laughs> You're like, I sure as hell hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Just living the American dream. Oh, man. So I guess, I mean, should we wrap this episode up, guys? All right. Yeah. All right, let's get to our verdicts then. So, Carson, if you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I would give it 100% a must-see. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is, gives the performance of the year, and um, or one of the performances of the year. I don't want to contradict myself on what i said about whiplash <laughs> the performance is there because i think they are the dog e- in whiplash right <laughs> right <laughs> they're equally as strong but i mean jake gyllenhaal is definitely um his character is one for the ages and i think that um just like the way that he speaks in the movie it's just something i ate up i wanted to like 
hear it over and over and like all of his little anecdotes and his speeches and like where he's trying to barter for like you know his pay and stuff it's just all of it is just so fascinating to watch on top of a really well-made film um and i think that uh yeah i mean i think it's it's a great la movie and it's a great just i don't a crazy sociopathic movie that will that i definitely think fits in line with the some of these other movies of this type oh another great movie of this time i don't know if you've seen it to die for with nicole kidman uh-huh. she also plays like uh you know she also plays like a, a lou bloom ish type where she's trying to be like a local news person um so that's another good one uh-huh. anyway must see nightcrawler <laughs> steven yeah i've got to also give it a must see i think i am only very slightly less enthusiastic about this than you guys and not because there's any flaw in the movie like I felt like this was a very solidly crafted, gripping movie from beginning to end. It just, for, like, it did a thing very, very well, and it had a very good performance. Uh, it hasn't, like, lingered with me as much as I would hope it does, but I would love to, like, get a second viewing of it and uh, maybe pick up on details that I didn't get the first time around. Like, if, if this doesn't make a best of list in the end of the year, that only means it's been a very, very good year <laughs> for <laughs> for movies. Because this is, like, it's just totally solid. And after watching so many movies <laughs> in a year, like, you forget how refreshing it is to feel a totally solid, well-crafted thriller. Yeah. Are you done? You done? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm done. <laughs> I was giving you an affirmative, and then you just like were silent. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to say, you know, fill the void with my usual yes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this is a must see for me as well. Um, I, I, I really, really, really love this film. Uh, my obsession with uh, psychopathic people is continuing. I, I, Jake Gyllenhaal is so good in this, and it, it's it's also good and not just that like. He's not just doing a good Jake Gyllenhaal character. Like he, he is just the 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 cadence of his speech, the way he handles himself, the uh, just he's such an off-putting presence. Like he's not like a, a huge man, but he still carries this uh, heightened. He's very he's very convincing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's frightening. Like I I I have this thing in in films where, uh, like say uh, the remake of. Um, was it, it was Total Recall? Yeah, Total Recall was the remake where they had the fight in that weird where Brian Cranston fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in in that fight, I'm like, there's no way Brian Cranston could fight uh, Colin Farrell. Like it just wouldn't happen. Like Colin, Colin Farrell would kick his ass. So like in in a normal situations, like I have these moments where I'm just like watching two people fight and going like, this is stupid. Or even John Wick, like John Wick fighting the guy he fights at the end of that film. I'm just like that, that there wouldn't be a contest between these two people. Um, in the opening scene of this movie where like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is just like this scrawny kind of like guy you think would be like pretty just, uh, weak and not a, but like he, his, like the psychology of him makes him crazy enough for you to fear like, yeah, he could probably like take out anybody. (laughs) (laughs) He just, I don't know. His, he is just an unsettling person. And the entire film, I was on edge and just like stuck in awe at what I was watching. And, um, you know, it, 
yeah, like, as you said, Stephen, it's not always that you get just, like, a solid thriller that we experience, and um, I think it's definitely worth a watch. It would make a good double feature with Gone Girl, um, so if anybody wants to run that at their theater, uh, let me know, <laughs> I'd like to go see it. Maybe they'll do it at the New Beverly. Possibly. I'll have to come up and visit and brave the traffic in <laughs> Is LA that the one that. Tarantino is uh, doing the programming for? Yeah, well, he finally, yeah, he decided to fully take over... He's been the owner for it for, for like, seven years. Mm-hmm. He decided to, like, completely take over. He was like, he's like everything's going to be 35-millimeter, guys. He's like, I don't care. Like, if you don't have a 35-millimeter print, like, fuck you. You're not going to show it at my theater. Like, he, that was his whole idea behind it. <laughs> right anyway. up Carson's alley. <laughs> yeah. Totally, dude. Dude, they're going to show Interstellar there in 35, like, next week. So I'm excited. You're not going to go to a 70 millimeter IMAX projection oh, of it? Oh, well, I, I want to see it in IMAX as well, but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually really sad because I got like a super packed uh, week coming up and I'm not going to be able to go up to Irvine to see it in 70 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Well, it's coming out on Wednesday uh, in 70 millimeter and 35 millimeter, so I don't know if that helps you any. I don't know if I have any 35 millimeter theaters. Well, I meant in like an IMAX. Gotcha. 70 millimeter IMAX. Yeah, yeah, but the, the closest 70 millimeter IMAX is Irvine. Yeah, but I, I just meant I didn't know like if like the extra two days or whatever, like gave you. That's what I meant. <laughs> All right. If it, if it's somehow great. like, it's, I know it's such a such a strong ending. This is what people tune in for. Anyway, <laughs> who's on first? <laughs> Let's just get on uh, Google Maps right now and find the nearest 70 yeah, or 35 no, millimeters. Yes. <laughs> Let's just tell everybody where they can find us. And and see how we get there. I think you take like the five, 78 to 5. Uh, <laughs> just take the 10 down to Kawanga, bro. Just get out of here. Why do you know so much about Kawanga? Come on. Stuart. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Carson. Just go. If people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? Well, you can find me uh, roaming the streets of Los Angeles at, you know, the wee hours, <laughs> trying to film things for uh, local TV news. You know that the, not the, probably not the interiors, but the exterior of like the station where Rene Russo worked at is like right down the street from me. So nice. I, there, I, I got the hookup. There I was one hill where I was like, that hill looks awfully familiar. I'm pretty sure that's close to where Carson lives. <laughs> The one with those letters on it, like H O L L. Right, yeah. Not that hill. <laughs> I, I do, I do think that it's pretty accurate in terms of its, uh, like, the the uh, the cities and the location of everything. Like, where he says, like, yeah, like I'm up in Granada Hills, and then like, it, it, I feel like they're like the time between like driving to certain places is accurate. It's not just like, yeah, I'm gonna take you know blah 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 down, and you're like, what? That's not right you know anyway now, do you really not get pulled over when you drive like jake gyllenhaal um no i would feel like you would get pulled over although maybe not because i don't know though he does have police scanners so hopefully his his little passenger guy would be able to be like oh by the way there's cops up on this next street so we should slow down That's right true. right yeah and dude the cops are weird they're like they're they're too busy doing other things to care about jake gyllenhaal speeding through the streets mm-hmm. i don't know um so did you did you just say where people could find you carson i did yeah so steven you haven't said it yet right i actually think carson only said they could find him slithering the streets in the wee hours 
That's okay. <laughs> you can in find him at practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Yeah. And you can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Uh, people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. Uh, you can also find me with my new news gathering organization at Eyewitness News Productions <laughs> Company LLC. <laughs> I can't wait. I, can I can I apply to to work there? If you're all lucky, these, if you're lucky, Car- Carson, I'll let you drive the second van. All these oh, twisted sweet. murders are happening in North County, San Diego. All of a sudden, we're like, what is going on? I hope I get benefits. I might have to like cut somebody's brakes to well, do that in order to do that. Actually, unfortunately, to start because it is an internship, I will actually lower my internship being free policy, and I will give you thirty dollars a day. Oh, sweet. <laughs> All right, if you want to find other episodes of our show, you can go to thespoilerwarning.com. Um, if you want to figure out when these episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, or you can like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on the website, or you can leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this sound, or <laughs> music from this episode will come from the soundtrack to Nightcrawler. So hopefully you're enjoying that right now. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for joining me on this episode. Anytime. Yes, you're welcome. And, uh, I'm glad that I get to live another week because I'm not going to get killed for liking, or for, for not liking the film because I did like it. <laughs> um, so we will be back next week with a series of reviews, most importantly and most excitedly, Interstellar. So get ready for that, guys. Right. Totally. I love Matthew McConaughey going to look for Baymax. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Oh, that's a different movie, yeah. I hope he gets off the spaceship and he's like, I see a lot of lawbreakers out there. <laughs> I just hope he has tons of, like, inspirational muses about life, like, <laughs> being, being out here in these, this space just makes me realize. Lots of uh, Need Russ to go Cole. Home. <laughs> Lots of Russ Cole monologues. Yeah. Yeah, about it, death and stuff. You char- scientists think you know everything, but you can't explain <laughs> the big thing. Yeah, if his character is anything like his true detective character, he'd be the last person you send on a mission <laughs> to save all I'm, of humanity. You I'm would imagine never him want as him like in space. I'm imagining him as the theologian in contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more like that. All right, well, we'll be back next week, so see you guys then. Bye.